And it is a Saturday morning. Rothenberg with you, and it's the Hockey Show on 98.7 ESPN. And when we thought about launching the show, little did we realize that we would have a week like we've just had. We've had fights. We've had not suspensions, which people thought should have been suspensions. We've had the Islanders blanking the Rangers. We've had Washington physically mauling a couple of members of the Rangers. We've had firings. We've had Everything, fireworks from beginning to end this week around the NHL, specifically with the locals and the Rangers are at the forefront of most of it. So tons for us to do on the hockey show here on a Saturday morning on 98.7 ESPN. A couple of big guests as well. Brendan Burke, voice of the Islanders on MSG, is going to join us uh, in about 15 minutes, as well as the Islanders have played uh, against the Rangers and the Flyers. Let's recognize that outside of those two opponents, the Islanders haven't won a non-Rangers-Flyers game in weeks and weeks at this point. So obviously, that's got to be a concern. We'll find out what Brendan Burke thinks and and how, uh, how important it is for the Islanders to try to line up against the best team in the postseason and who in fact that best matchup would be uh, in round one of the playoffs for the Islanders who absolutely will be a playoff team this year. So that's coming up in about 15 minutes in about know, 30 minutes somewhere uh, in that range. Don LaGreca of the Michael K show and and part time voice with Kenny Albert of the Rangers is going to join the hockey show as well. So there is a, a ton to do. Uh, it started last Saturday pretty benignly uh, Islanders and they'd beaten the Rangers earlier last week and then on Saturday, uh, they got the best of the Rangers. They blanked the blue shirts by the score of three to nothing. And then the Rangers were teetering uh, on missing the postseason. You knew they weren't going to make it at that point. And then Monday, that became official. The Rangers lost at home to the Washington Capitals by the score of six to three. But that wasn't even the story of the game. Rangers eliminated from the postseason. But the story of the game was Tom Wilson. And I think it's fair to say one of the most dirty players in the NHL. And that was really the thought from around NHL. NHL circles heading into the game on Monday. Well, at 740 of the second period, he took another step closer to defining that really is his role and what people think about him in the National Hockey League. Strom shoots, it's blocked, comes to Fox, over to Panarin, in front, looking for Buchnevich, puck is loose, still loose, and now the play blown dead. Now as Wilson comes in late and starts pawing on, and Panarin comes in late and starts grabbing Wilson. I think one of the caps had done something to Buchnevich, and then the Rangers took exception, and now Wilson throws Panarin to the ice and starts throwing punches. It was an incredible scene. So there's a little scrum in front of the net. Buchnevich is, is down, um, face first down in front of the net, in front of the Capitals goal. And Wilson comes up and starts punching him and basically trying to take him and, and, and put him into the ice. And then Panarin comes and defends his teammate. Um, Wilson then, then grabs Panarin from the back of the head, from the hair, and throws him to the ice. So it was egregious. The Rangers were absolutely livid and uh, just incensed that this took place. The NHL reviews it and comes out and finds, catch this, the Capitals and Wilson, $5,000. Tom Wilson gets fined $5,000. Now, the Rangers put out a tremendously strong statement um, opposing what Wilson did, and they get fined $250,000. If you wear the long la- wrong laces on your cleats in the NFL or the wrong cleats in the NFL, 
You'll get fined more than $5,000. Wilson manhandled Buchnevich, went after Panarin, threw him to the ice. I mean, God forbid he hits him head first, and all of a sudden now there's blood spewing out all over the garden ice. Doesn't matter. $5,000 fine. That's what the NHL came up with. And I thought, and I think a lot of people around the Rangers and hockey circles were embarrassed that that's what happened. Uh, David Quinn, after the game, on the reaction to that very dirty play. Yeah, well, we all saw it, and there are lines that can't be crossed in this game, and it's just, to me, it's just a, it's just zero respect for the game in general. And, you know, you got one of the star players in this league now who could have got seriously, seriously hurt in that incident. It's just, you saw what happened, and uh happens time and time again, again with them, and it's just, uh it's totally unnecessary, and it's... uh Hey, it's just, you all saw what happened. And it's just, uh, like I said, it's just zero respect for the game and the players and everybody involved. You, you can hear that he is absolutely incensed, and, and it's embarrassing for the game. And whether you root for the Islanders or the Rangers, the Devils, or a team outside the local area, I think you want good, clean hockey. And Tom Wilson has defined that that's not the kind of player that, in fact, he is. Uh, Mika Zibanejad was was really annoyed and said, after the game on Monday night, this guy has no respect for hockey. And you can't give this guy the benefit of the doubt. I mean, this is the kind of player that he's been forever. I, I think he's been suspended five times by the NHL. And the problem now is... For the most part, teams don't have these kind of physical enforcers. There's no really Donald Brashears around the NHL circles. There's no Bob Proberts. There's no Ty Domi's. Uh, George LaRock, those guys don't exist. So, and, and Tom Wilson wouldn't want any part of those guys anyhow, but he thinks he's the biggest, baddest, toughest guy in the block. And I guess on, you know, a bougie block that the NHL is right now, that's exactly what he is, but just an embarrassment of what he did the other night. Now, we'll get to the retaliation from the Rangers on Wednesday night of this past week, but... Uh, after the game on Monday, like I mentioned, the Rangers were eliminated from postseason contention. And here is the head coach of the team, David Quinn, on that. Uh, just another level of disappointment, really. Just didn't get enough done this year. Had some great moments and great stretches, but just just wasn't enough. It really wasn't enough. And the Rangers did. They Listen, they beat the Islanders a couple times this year. They beat the Capitals. They played well against the Bruins. They, they beat up on the Flyers. And although for the most part, they had a pretty good season for having such a young team. But uh, we'll find out in just a moment. Uh, that was not what, in fact, the uh, upper brass of the Rangers management class uh, thought that they did this season. So Rangers lose that one six to three. But the story is just the, the, the you know, un, unprovoked attack from Tom Wilson in that game. So stay with me here. After Monday, the Wilson attack has happened. The Rangers don't really retaliate. Uh, and then we head into Wednesday. The Rangers put out that that message of how disappointed they are in the NHL. George Paros, all of it, all, asking for his uh, replacement and relief of his job uh, in NHL circles. And all of a sudden, you start to look on Twitter Wednesday and you start to listen to the radio a little bit Wednesday and you find out that the Rangers have dropped a bombshell before they play the Capitals on Wednesday. All of a sudden, they make David Quinn unavailable to the media. And you think to yourself, well, I guess they don't really want him responding uh, to what happened in the game on Monday. And then all of a sudden you find out and this came as a tremendous surprise to, I think, just about everybody. The Rangers fired their general manager and the Rangers fired their president as well. John Davidson, Jeff Gordon, out. Out, goodbye, fired from the team. And you think, Dolan obviously with the ultimate decision. Chris Drury now becomes your GM and your president. And Glenn Sather is the last man standing and he'll kind of oversee everything right now. So that came as a shock to, I think, just about everyone. In, uh, in NHL circles, the Rangers with huge moves. And the thing is, I think that you look at it for this year and, and for the most part, you say they were pretty successful. 
Like, you know, they sent out a letter a couple of years back of this is what we're doing. We're going to strip it down. We're going to build it back up. And you look at the talent with this team. You know, they, they acquire Butch Navich in a good trade. They bring in Zibanejad in a great trade. They bring in Fox in a brilliant trade. I mean, they traded a second round pick. Keandre Miller has turned himself into a good player. They have Shesterkin. They have uh, just a, a really talented team at this point. And I thought and I still think that most people were of the mindset that the Rangers were heading in the right direction. But that's not what the management thought. So they move on from both the GM and the president. John Davidson, Jeff Gordon are out. Chris Drury takes both of those roles right now. We'll get to that uh, a little bit later with Don LaGreca and in our final segment of the show as well. But remember where we left you off now. It's a cliffhanger here. So how are the Rangers going to react on Wednesday to what happened with Tom Wilson on Monday? And it didn't take long to find out because as the puck was dropped at the Garden against the Capitals again, uh, all, as you know what, broke loose. Face-off set for center ice. It'll be Rooney versus Dowd. Final game, and we've got a fight right out of the box. There's two of them, actually. Three of them. Rangers felt like they had to make a statement, and, and they did, and they did in a big way. And the statement was, we're not going to be pushed around. We don't care who uh, or what or where this happens to take place. And then uh, a little bit later in the first period, uh, Brendan Smith went after Tom Wilson and I think gained a lot of respect from his teammates. And here he is after the game on why he went after Wilson. I had no beef with anybody else on their team. I thought that it should have been handled before this game and it wasn't so unfortunately it had to be on my shoulders and and uh I thought I took it. Well, he, he did take it. And I think gained a lot of respect in that locker room with the blue shirts because that was public enemy and continues to be now public enemy uh, number one. And then um, on Thursday night, the Rangers played the Bruins, already eliminated, already kind of um, beleaguered a little bit and, and, and banged up and no Panera and all sorts of uh, a mess as a team. And they lost uh, on the road in Boston by the final score of four to nothing. So that was the Rangers week. It was a wild week. They they go 0-4. Not only do they go 0-4, they get shut out twice during the course of the week, but that's not even the story. The story is just the the malicious attack from Tom Wilson, the retaliation from the Rangers, and then, of course, the firing of the GM and the president. So we'll take a breath with that. Uh, Islanders this past week, real quickly, uh, they beat the Rangers 3-0, uh, last Saturday, and then they followed that up with uh, a loss to the Buffalo Sabres on Monday night. 4-2 to two was the final there, and then a shootout loss at the hands of the Sabres, 4-3 to three on Tuesday, and then another loss on Thursday night of this week to the Devils by the score of 2-1. to one. So, I mean, to be completely honest with you right now, the Islanders have not played very good hockey as of late, unless it's the Rangers or the Flyers. And then you take a look at where the Devils are right now. Uh, last Saturday, they beat the Flyers by the score of 4-1. to one. Then they lose on Monday to the Bruins 3-0 and beat the Bruins in overtime uh, by the score of 4-3. to three. And then they beat the... Uh, beat the Islanders on Thursday night by the final of 2-1. to one. So the Devils... Um, get six points out of a possible eight this past week. So we know they're not going to the postseason, but a a decent week of hockey uh, from the Devils last week. So it's a wild time locally. Islanders will go on, Rangers making huge noise, and the Devils having a pretty good week as well. So tons for us to get into. Brendan Burke, the voice of the Islanders on the MSG Network, will join us in just a moment. And then Don LaGreca a little bit later. And then we'll recap uh, a little more of the week that was here from Chris Drury, the Rangers' new general manager and president and look ahead to the final week of the regular season of the NHL. Let's take a breath. Quick break. Brendan Burke joins us next. It's Rothenberg with you. It's a hockey show right here on Saturday morning on 98.7 ESPN. 
Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Eric with this week's Hockey <laughs> Trivia. There have been 53 goalies in New York Islanders history, but only one goalie has actually scored a goal, and you name it. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Eric with this week's Hockey <laughs> Trivia. On November 28, 1979, Hall of Famer Billy Smith scored a goal against the Colorado Rockies, the only goalie to score a goal for the organization. And welcome back to the Hockey Show. Dave Rothenberg with you on a Saturday morning, 98.7 ESPN. The voice of the Islanders on MSG, Brendan Burke, joins us now. Brendan, appreciate a couple minutes on this Saturday morning. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hopping on. No, always happy to talk Islanders hockey. I, I figured you would be, and I want to get to the Islanders, and I know that the postseason um, is very, very bright for the Islanders, and you have to, to love the fact that they're, they're back in again and uh, off the heels of what they did last year in the postseason, but I just wanted to quickly get your take on what happened this past week with a couple of Rangers stories, and, and the first one is the Tom Wilson, because this is not the first time we've seen anything like this from the Capitals, I guess for lack of a better term, I'll say enforcer. Um, I know you're not surprised by this, but are you surprised that the NHL came down so lightly on him? You know, it, it, it's tough. Like, I, I try and look at it the way the NHL would, and that would be if you picture Connor McDavid doing what Tom Wilson did, what would your reaction be? Uh, and, and do those things happen? Yeah, they do throughout the course of the game. You know, should Tom Wilson have been a little more, uh, I guess, cognizant of the fact that he had a guy with no helmet on and threw him down to the ice? Yeah, probably. Um, I think his reputation probably amps up everybody's emotion a little bit, um, but I was surprised they didn't suspend him at all. I thought that they had an opportunity uh, to, to send a message of saying doing what he did is, is unacceptable in our game. It was not a hockey play, as you often hear. You know, when you talk about him throwing hits that are high or late or whatever it is, this was this was none of that. So a little bit surprised and then a little bit obviously surprised as to uh, – how everything unfolded following that. Yeah, so obviously the Rangers um, get tremendous payback, I guess it's fair to say, and, and did not go uh, lightly on Wednesday night of this past week um, as they went after Wilson and, and really seemingly every other capital <laughs> under the face of the sun. Uh, we'll get to the Islanders in a second. At all surprise, because you're, see, you're an interesting person to talk to about this because the, the Islanders and Rangers are tremendous rivals, but I think there's a healthy respect there. Uh, were you surprised that the Rangers made the firings that they did earlier this week and put Drury in charge of everything? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's shock all around the National Hockey League. Just, uh, you know, those are two pretty well-respected hockey minds. And seemingly things were, from an outsider's perspective, going in the right direction for the Rangers. Uh, you know, if, if the Rangers weren't in the East Division this year, they might be a playoff team. I mean, the East was just such a gauntlet. So, um, yeah, a little bit surprised. That, but I do know, obviously, there's a tremendous amount of respect and seemingly desire for Chris Drury to take over somebody's hockey operations. And obviously they feel uh, he was too valuable to, to let get away. And now he's uh, running the show for the Rangers. Yeah, he's running the entire show. Brendan Burke, voice of the Islanders on MSG, joins us here on the Hockey Show, 9870 ESPN. All right, let's get to your wheelhouse. Um any concern from you about the way outside of against the, I guess, the Rangers and the Flyers, the Islanders have played the last couple of weeks heading into the playoffs? Yeah, I think there's a little concern. I think that, um, you know, the offense is the thing that has been, it's been relatively consistent this season, which wasn't necessarily the case over the past couple of years. Um, but lately it hasn't been. And so um, I'm not reading too much into the games after they clinch the playoff spot. The games against Buffalo, the games against New Jersey this week. Uh, they are resting some guys. The intensity is not there. 
they're pretty much locked into the four spot uh, at this point in the East. And, you know, jockeying for position and opponent, I mean, really, it's a toss-up with the four teams in the East. So I, I think there's a little level of concern that they're not playing their best hockey heading into the playoffs. But I think with the experience that these guys had last year going to the Eastern Conference Final, Almost all of those players are back again. Um, I, I do think, not that there's a switch to turn on, but I do think that they will play their brand of hockey once the playoffs begin, even if they don't play it uh, in the last few games here leading up to it. You mentioned that there's a jockeying for position going on, and there really is. And it looks like the Islanders are going to get the fourth spot in this um, Eastern division. But do you think it matters at all? Like, if you gave the guys truth serum and said, who do you want to play or do you care at all? Do you think they have any preference between these other three teams? No, I really don't. I mean, they didn't have great success with Pittsburgh this year, but they also played them five times in February. So it was a very strange season series, um, you know, where the Islanders were seemingly beating everybody not named the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, they've had some really, really interesting battles with the Capitals. Uh, they've had the Bruins number to a certain extent. But again, it's playoff hockey, and all four teams are so good that I really don't see a difference. I think the only thing they would have preferred, and obviously that's not going to happen now, but home ice certainly seems to have made a difference this season for the Islanders at the Coliseum. Um, they're one of the best teams in the league, 20 wins at home, and, and an under and a sub-500 team on the road. So um, finishing in one of those top two spots seemingly would have been an advantage for the Islanders, more so than anyone else uh, in terms of trying to pick your matchup in the in the top four. Is this a complete toss-up? Who's going to come out of this division? Like, I mean, is it one to four, but is it just, you know, pick them out of a hat and, and you really believe that any of the four could come out of this division? Yeah, I, I honestly do. I think that, um, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins were the team. I, I think that a lot of people said, you know, maybe they're due for a step back this year. Um, and then when they at the start of the year and Brian Dumoulin was hurt, it just seemed like, okay, Pittsburgh's going to be the odd man out because everybody expected the to be in the mix, right? The Flyers took the Islanders to seven games in the second round last year. Uh, they fell off the map. Pittsburgh, I mean, Mike Sullivan is a heck of a hockey coach. With what he has done over the past few years with the injuries he has dealt with, and they just continue to win games, they might win the division. Um, yeah, I, I really think, you know, the Caps have the pedigree uh, and certainly the talent to back it up. Um, the goaltending will be the question mark there. For Boston, they've got a lot of young players, but Taylor Hall's trade is seemingly working out in incredibly well for them. Uh, so, yeah, either of these four teams could win the division. E either of these four teams could represent the East in that third round, and, and seemingly whoever comes out of it uh, could have a, a very good chance of winning the Stanley Cup. Playing the opponent so many times, does it make a difference? Does anyone have an advantage that you saw the, this opposition so often? And, and for almost like mini-series, Brendan, right? Like you talked about it, they played the Penguins five times in, you know, in a short span earlier this year. Does anyone have an advantage or is anyone at a disadvantage with that? No, I don't think so. I think that, you know, it was very interesting. There were a couple of, of times this season, actually three for the Islanders, that they played the same team three times in a row, um, which kind of gives you a little bit of a playoff vibe to it. But, you know, I, I think that it just takes – there are no more surprises, right? The coaches know each other. The players know each other. Everybody knows what they're trying to do. It's just a matter of who can get to their game and who can dictate the way the game's played. So, um, you know, obviously everybody has their own styles and their own things that they would like to accomplish. And, uh, and again, the, there will be no surprises. It, can teams shake things up and give teams other looks? Yeah, I guess that's where coaching gets involved. And when you look at the head coaches, you know, in this division, you know, Barry Trotz is one of the top coaches of all time. Peter Laviolette's got a Stanley Cup and a long history, uh, now behind the bench in, in Washington. Bruce Cassidy, what he's done in Boston, has been outstanding. 
and, and Mike Sullivan, as I already talked about, in Pittsburgh. So you've got some really great coaching minds. Obviously, Trot and Sullivan have had some battles dating back to their days in Washington and Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I, I think either way you slice it, you're going to have some, some great teams going at it. And coaching very well may be the difference in when it's all said and done. So, Brendan Burke with us here, the voice of the Islanders on MSG. The Islanders get out of the Eastern Division if what? Fill in the blank for me there. They get out of this. They're one of the final four teams in the NHL this season if what happens in this postseason. Yeah, if, if they start playing like the Islanders, if, if, the, if the scores look like 2-1 to one, uh, on, on a consistent basis, I don't think the Islanders are going to win any games 5-4 or 4-3 or maybe even 3-2. I think when the Islanders are at their best, you know, you're talking Simeon Barlamov has seven shutouts. Islanders have 10 on the season, lead the NHL in that category. Um, if they can lock it down defensively and be opportunistic offensively, which was their success last year in getting all the way to the conference final, um, you know, that's what their game looks like. Their game is, is a, a very grinded out, defensively minded, uh, hockey game that that makes teams you know you wear teams down to the point where they get tired in their own zone and they make one mistake and boom the islanders score so um they they do not want to play any run and gun you know track me type of games which there are teams in this division uh you know pittsburgh and washington mainly that want to that want to do that um so if the islanders can can keep the pace low keep it a physical grinding game uh, and keep the scores down you know they'll be in good shape but if if it starts getting to a point where they need three or four or five goals to win uh, that's that's not their brand of hockey. How much of an advantage, if at all, is it for the Islanders that they did go on a, a long run last year, both for experience and the fact that, I mean, it was only the Stanley Cup champions that, that knocked you out of the postseason. They had a great run last year. How much does that help them, or not at all? Yeah, yeah. and in overtime and in Game 6 against the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I, I think it helps tremendously. I think that, um, you know, we always talk about playoff experience being so important this time of year, and there's only one way to get it, right, is, is to go through a run like that. And, you know, for the Islanders, uh, they've got everybody back. That was part of that for the most part. You know, the one big piece that's missing right now for New York is Andrews Lee. And ultimately, if the Islanders come up short and lose in the first round or don't have uh, a whole lot of jam and can't turn this, this game around going into the playoffs, you know, ultimately we're going to look back at this season and go that Andrews Lee injury – was too much to overcome for them. They made the trade for Kyle Palmieri. They bring in Travis Zajac. They haven't produced yet, um, but Anders Lee was leading this team in goals at the time that he was injured. Uh, Matt Barzell, his line mate, uh, was firing on all cylinders, and he was a big reason why. So um, they have the experience. That will help them, but can they overcome that Anders Lee injury, I think, is really the main question about right now, whether or not they can get through. Now, the good thing is that Anders Lee is still a part of this team. He's still around the team. He's still the captain and the leader. Uh, he will be part of this run. He just won't be on the ice when they need him. All right, Brendan, listen, great stuff. Greatly appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll catch up uh, in the postseason, and hopefully for you, it's a, a long-storied run for your New York Islanders. Great stuff. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you. It'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely. That is Brendan Burke, the voice of the Islanders on MSG. Quick break, come back. Don LaGreca on all the happenings with the New York Rangers. That's next on the Hockey Show, Saturday morning, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Hockey Show. Rothenberg with you on a Saturday morning right here on 98.7 ESPN. Big thanks to Brendan Burke for joining us and breaking down the Islanders and, and the look ahead for them in the postseason. And, and now let's look back at what this week was and, and if we should be, in fact, panicked from the Rangers' standpoint. And that is um, kind of part-time voice of the Rangers and, and on the Michael K. Show every Monday to Friday, 2 to 6.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. And that is 
the sensational. I mean, the, the flowing locks of the great Don LaGreca. Good morning, Don. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Uh, you sound chipper for early on a Saturday morning. We have a lot to get into, my hey, friend. I got a game today. It's my last game for a while. Uh, it's going to be one of those rare times where I've got to almost do as much work on the Rangers as I do the opposition because there's so many new faces and so much uh, different things going on. So I love calling games and uh, I'm raring to go because after tonight, you know, it's probably not going to be anything until uh, the season starts up in October again. All right, let's let's look back at the week that was. And, and who would have thought that as we sat here a week ago Saturday and the Islanders beat the Rangers and they were on the verge of being eliminated from the postseason, it would be such an explosive week and you'd have so much time to talk about hockey on the Michael K Show. But but mm-hmm. that's what we saw. We, we saw it start on Monday where Tom Wilson did what Tom Wilson does. And, and from my standpoint, Don, uh, it was just, it was dirty. Now, people say, well, if that's not Tom Wilson, you know what? I don't think you're as bothered. And you might be right, but it was. And he has a history, and there is a track record, and he continues to do it, and he always seems to go after the most helpless player on the other team. And I was really bothered by what he did to the Rangers on Monday night. Yeah, it was it, it was it was troublesome because there's a reputation there. He's been suspended five times, including once this year for seven games for hitting uh, Brandon Carlo high from the Boston Bruins. And, you know, the year before that, he was suspended 20 games, reduced down to 14 for going after Oscar Sundquist in a preseason game against the Blues. I mean, the guy's a thug, period. Heck of a player, and you'd love to have him because he's a, he, he plays on a top line, right? He can go out there and score 20 goals. He's a very rare commodity. But he doesn't learn his lesson, right? Whether he's suspended, whether he has to be held accountable with fighting, he is what he is. And the disappointing thing is that there was no response, right? And, and you could and Ryan Strom said we were all shocked, whatever. Okay, but you went to the intermission in the second period. Everybody saw what happened. You find out Panarin's not going to be available for the rest of the third period, and there was no response in the third at all. You know, and and not only that, Tom Wilson scores the empty net goal to finish the game off. So that bothered a lot of people, and they responded accordingly on Wednesday, and that's what they should have done. But listen. That that really should have happened on Monday, and it didn't. And I think it bothered a lot of people, and that's what got Jim Dolan, and that's what the Garden thinking, are we built the right way? And then they started thinking back to the Islander series and what happened to Truba and what happened to Ryan Lindgren, and then it was Martin throwing an elbow at Zabanajad that missed, but there was no response. And then you start to think, are teams taking advantage of the Rangers? And I think that's why this all came to a head. So do you expect, and there's so many ways to go here, but do you expect the Rangers to be a much different looking team as far as kind of a a physical brand of play next year? Adding Uh, a couple of, you know, chippy, I don't want to say dirty, but guys that'll really grind it out next season? I I don't think it'll be a facelift because, let's face it, where are a lot of these guys going? I mean, Kako's the future, Lafonier's the future, you know, Panarin's in a long term deal. They just re signed Chris Kreider. They'd be stupid to let Sabanajad go, right? So a lot of the same people pieces are going to be here but when you look at that fourth line you know obviously they're all replaceable right D Giuseppe Gauthier Rooney so maybe bringing in guys that are a little bit more physical a little little bigger um that 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 can happen see the Rangers got caught their pants down Dave Kreider was out Truba was out Lindgren was out there's a lot of big physical guys that weren't available in that Washington uh game that that really put them in that compromising position. So getting a couple of guys that are a little bigger, but they got to play, right? You just can't there's no more goons anymore. No. You know, so you got to have to have guys that can play a fourth line role 
like a Matt Martin who can be a part of a, of a team scoring goals and doing things, but when something like that happens, can hold somebody accountable. So it might only be one or two players that you can put on the fourth line, but certainly not a facelift, certainly not a complete overhaul of what this team's been able to do so far. How, how disappointed. I, I was... I was- I'd say bordering on horrified that the NHL did did nothing. You know, I mentioned earlier on the show, if you, like, wear the wrong cleats in the NFL, you'll get a larger fine than Tom Wilson got for what he did. How upset were you that the NHL did absolutely nothing to this guy? Well, I'm upset at the NHL, and I'm also upset at the NHLPA. And this goes across sports, with the exception of football, because let's face it, the, the NFLPA has been neutered a lot just by the design of the sport right because the shelf life is so small when they tried to strike back in the day the scab players the the union is is probably the least powerful of the other major sports right but in basketball hockey and baseball the players are protected so when you find a guy a maximum of five thousand dollars i mean that that's ridiculous (laughs) like you can only find him five thousand dollars but you can find the Rangers $250,000 for a scathing statement. That doesn't seem to jive with me. And you they protect Tom Wilson. If The idea, oh, throw him out of the league. You think the union would allow that to happen, Dave? No, it wouldn't. Um, and as I mentioned, the Sunquist suspension from Tom Wilson last year was a 20-game suspension. He appealed it and was reduced down to 14. The union fights for the perps, but never takes care of the victims because the union represents Bushnevich and Panarin, but yet the defense goes to to Tom Wilson. And so the league sometimes is hamstrung. But the one thing the league could have done is suspend. And I'd like to have a conversation with George Paros on what he saw that was not suspendable. He's a repeat offender. He beat up on a defenseless player. He pulls Panarin down by his hair. Mm-hmm. You know, don't look at this like it's 3D chess. The, anal- the analysis that I gave yesterday, or the analogy that I gave yesterday, was like in boxing, right? You're a boxing guy. I There's like always boxing. that one judge that's got to judge it like off the reservation. Right, well, like because, he's seven points different than somebody right. else, right? Because he sees the sport differently. You know, you don't know what you're looking at. I know what I'm looking at. Like it, the, George Paros went to Princeton. He's a smart guy. But listen, he doesn't take a rocket science scientists to see what Wilson did there. So don't make it look like you see hockey differently. You don't get it. No, listen, I get it. I talked to a lot of people, a lot of guys that fought in this league that thought it was ridiculous that he wasn't held accountable. And I'm not talking about Ranger people. I'm talking about people that don't have a dog in a fight. So sometimes I think they overthink it. And that line brawl, six fights in the first four minutes and 14 seconds on national television was a black guy for the sport because they didn't respond in the proper manner. And, and hopefully they learned their lesson. And, and I think the lesson has to be you got to find somebody else. George Paros is in over his head. Yeah, well, it's uh, just gross at, at what he did, or, or for lack of a better term, didn't do this past week in the NHL. Uh, all right, and then the Rangers. I mean, uh, it's so much to get into, Don. Don LaGreca, of course, uh, he's all over the place, and you know him here, joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Um, the Rangers now, they fire their president, J.D. They fire Jeff Gordon, their general manager. Chris Drury takes both roles. I've heard a lot of Ranger fans, and, and I think it's fair to say I'm, I'm concerned as well. Why should the Rangers fan, why should I not panic with these moves and moving forward with a team that you felt and feel is right on the precipice of good things? Yeah. And they still are. And the panic is, oh, my God, we're going to start over again. And you could have that feeling, Dave, if they went outside the organization and brought somebody else in. But they, they promoted Chris Drury. Hey, he was a he was a wanted commodity. He was offered the job in Pittsburgh when Jim Rutherford resigned a few months ago, 
and now he's been given the reins here. He's been a part of this rebuild, all right? He was a part of the letter. So he knows everything that goes in. He was on the bench, if you remember, assisting um, Chris Knobloch when um, Dave Quinn had COVID. So he has been a part of this rebuild, and he is on board with the direction it's going into, and now he's going to tweak it because of the, the physicality aspect. And he's got Glenn Sather, who you know was, by the way, a guy that was a part of this organization when they won the President's Trophy and went to a Stanley Cup final that's going to be there and is going to advise him. So I, I think they're still moving in the right direction. They're not blowing this up. I feel terrible for John Davidson. This is something he's wanted his entire life to be a part of this organization again, and, and it was taken from him. Uh, Jeff Gordon is a good hockey guy. They will find jobs. So I think that's the collateral damage and the shame of it because I don't think those guys deserve to get let go. But that being said, I think they've got the right guy in Chris Drury. He's young. He gets it. He's not that far removed from playing this sport. And I've gotten to know him, traveling with the Rangers, seeing him at every game. He has put the work in. He is ready for this position. So if you want to spin it positive, you're giving an opportunity to a guy that I think will do a terrific job. Now, Rick, uh, Rick DiPietro, of course, co-host of, uh, of mine on DCR, 98.7 ESPN, uh, Monday to Friday, of course, every weekday from 5 to 8 in the morning. His rationale is he thinks that maybe Gordon was going to go, and they presented that to Davidson, and he said, absolutely not. If he goes, I go, and then, and then that was kind of the collateral damage. Do you buy into that? I buy into pretty much anybody's theory on it because <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that John Davidson wanted a say in who replaced Gordon and was not given that say, and that also caused an issue. I've also heard that there are many people in the organization that felt that there wasn't much that John Davidson was doing because Gordon was the one getting the players, and they felt like that there there was more that JD could be doing. So I, I don't know what to believe. I I, I would think I, I would lean more towards the fact that. JD was not on board with the changes because why would he be? You know, remember, he inherited Gordon, he inherited David Quinn, and he was okay with those guys, you know? And I think he was happy with the direction it was going into and probably did not want to see the changes. And so that to me seems the most believable of it. Does that mean that he didn't get along with Glenn Sather? Did he feel that maybe Sather was more involved than he thought he would be when he took the job? All these theories are plausible. But at the end of the day, I, I just have a very difficult time believing that John Davidson deserved to be fired. Yeah. So uh, I that would think well. that that was not the intention of Jim Dolan at the time. And then something happened that led to the parting of the ways. Yeah, because he's I mean, he, he's as beloved the Ranger this side of Mark Messi as you can find. I mean, he called the games on MSG forever. He, he thanked the organization when they won the Cup in 94. You know, the second they won it, he was just thanking everybody. And, and that really pained a lot of Rangers fans. Last one, and we'll let mm -hmm. you run and appreciate uh, your time as always. David Quinn, uh, uh, obviously, you know, he joins our show pretty much on a weekly basis. He's a great guest and he's a great guy as well. And I think he's actually done a pretty good job with this team. I'm very concerned about his job. What do you what do you think about it? I am too. Um, Chris Drury had some glowing things to say about him on the K show on Thursday, uh, but he also said he's going to be a part of the evaluation. So uh, Chris will look at all the all the intangibles. There was a report from Larry Brooks last week that some of the upper echelon players were not particularly happy with the style. Um, does he read into that at all? Is that something he looks at and says, maybe it's time for a change? I just worry about it, Dave, because Chris has been waiting for this job for a long time. He's been working his tail off. 
and he probably feels like he has the right to bring in his guy. So maybe David Quinn is his guy. Maybe he'll evaluate that. But when I heard he's going to evaluate the situation in the offseason, when does that ever go well? I, I right, when the does, same thing. It, it's evaluate and go, you know what, I think I could do better. And there's going to be some very interesting coaches. Gerard Gallant, who did a great job in Vegas a couple of years ago. Believe it or not, John Tortorella's a free agent. Would he ever think of bringing John back here uh, to work with the team? Uh, they had success when Tortorella was here. Um, but... You know, you know, Chris has been working in the minor leagues. He's been seeing some of the players, uh, the, some of the coaches. Does Chris Knobloch get a look? Because he did, I thought, uh, a very credible job in those six games filling in for David Quinn. If I had to guess, I would think Quinn's in a little bit of trouble, and that'd be a shame because I think he's a, a terrific guy. I think he's a terrific coach. But when you make changes, you know, that usually – the coach is someone that that has a difficult time sticking around. Yeah, I, I unfortunately tend to agree with you. Don, uh, wonderful job, as always. Let's do this again real soon. I don't know if you heard, but the hockey show will go on into the uh, postseason. It's got Love it. rave reviews. So, and your uh, podcast I was watching the other day, you're very photogenic, so the video's great. And more Dave. I need more Dave in my well, life. Well, we're, we're, we're trying to produce that. You are the best. I appreciate you as always, and I will talk to you soon. Take care, man. That, of course, is Don LaGreca. Quick break, come back, and we'll look to the week ahead and hear from the new GM of the Rangers, Chris Drury, as well. It's the Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg on a Saturday morning right here on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, my. It is the Hockey Show Saturday morning. Rothenberg with you on 98.7 ESPN. So big thanks to Brendan Burke. Big thanks to um, Don LaGreca, both outstanding in their appearances here on the Hockey Show uh, we started the show with, obviously, the Tom Wilson and, and, and touched on a little bit, and especially more with Don, about what's going on with the Rangers and their front office right now. But I, I want to take a listen to the particulars at hand. Uh, that's David Quinn, Chris Drury, Glenn Sather as well. And then we'll look ahead to this coming week for all three locals, and we'll we'll put a big bow on this and get you ready for Joe Wiz here on 98.7 ESPN. So on Wednesday, I guess late morning, early afternoon, the news started to break, and I saw it from Larry Brooks in the Post who tweeted it, and I thought to myself, am I looking at a, a fake Twitter account? And then I clicked on it, and it was like, no, 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 this is the legitimate Larry Brooks, and that is that the Rangers have fired both GM and President, John Davidson and Jeff Gordon here. And you start to think to yourself, to do what? What's the rationale behind it? Who's going to take over? Well, the answer on both fronts of who's going to take over is Chris Drury. So Dolan with the decisions. Drury's going to run things right now. And here is the Rangers head coach, David Quinn, reacting to everything going on with these firings. You know, I've got so much respect uh, for Jeff and JD. Uh, It's sad, but unfortunately, it's a tough part of sports. And, you know, everybody here feels for him. It's uh, that being said, it's an unbelievable opportunity for Chris, and we'll do everything we can to support him. And, you know, it's, it's been a tough day, but it is uh, it's the unfortunate part of sports. These are always tough days. No matter what field you're in, no matter what job you do, if you've been to work and you've had coworkers fired. Now, the difference with this is it's on such a public forum, right? If, if it's, it's, it's humiliating. I mean, in many ways it is, and it's, it's kind of emasculating to, to get fired. And when you get fired in the public eye, it's even more so. But, you know, these guys make a lot of money and they understand what they're getting themselves into. And this was the decision that Dolan and Sather decided to make. So here is the new GM. Here is the new president, Chris Drury, on replacing Gordon and JT. Yeah, it certainly was a whirlwind 24 hours. Or not something 
you know, I expected and, you know, it was an honor and a pleasure to, to work, uh, you know, with JD for the last two years. You know, I grew up uh, in Connecticut on O'Baby, so it was, it was, you know, great to get to know him and work with him and learn a lot from him. And, you know, Jeff Gordon, really can't say enough good things about him, uh, the, the kind of person he is, you know, what he did for me and, and for my career. You know, I never met him before I came back to interview uh, for the player development job. And, you know, since then has, has taken me under his wing, you know, every step of the way. He's a, he's a great man and, uh, you know, I think a, a terrific, terrific GM. And I'm, I'm sure he's going to land on his feet. You know, very soon. Now, if you remember, there were teams this past offseason that were really uh, hot on the tail of Chris Drury and the Rangers kept him and his assistant GM. And the thought was maybe one day he would, you know, wind up as a GM somewhere around the league. But I don't know that a lot of people thought it would be this soon and certainly uh, not with this team. So the question was then asked to Chris Drury about, about the playoffs this year. Was there, in fact, a playoff mandate for the Blue Shirts this season? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that was that was the expectation. I don't think that was a mandate. You know, again, with all the ups and downs throughout the, you know, this, this shortened season with, you know, coaches getting COVID, you know, players in on the lineup, injuries, our youth, um, you know, I think overall we had some very good, positive, you know, growing moments. Um, you know, now it's it's definitely time to, to take the next step and turn those moments and, and turn, uh, you know, uh, our collective group of players into a team. I don't think that anybody or very few Rangers fans and people around the NHL really expected this to be a playoff team this year. I thought they did well. I thought they did exactly what the expectation was, but the decision was made. Now, next year, is that supposed to be a playoff year? Here's Chris Drury. Well, I don't know if there's a set timeline where I'm going to say or anyone can say the rebuild's over. You know, we're looking deep, like I said, into everything in the organization to, to put ourselves in, you know, in the best spot next uh, October uh, to get off to a great start and you know, push towards making that uh, playoffs. I would bet you if you ask 10 Rangers fans right now, nine of them would say, absolutely, I expect to be a playoff team next year. If some thought that this year was a playoff caliber team, then having another offseason, having probably a much more normal offseason, going into next year, being an older team, a more experienced team, and and having fired your GM and your president, you better make it to the postseason next year if you're the Rangers. Now, there's been a narrative around this team. Are the Rangers soft? Are they just a pretty team? Do they lack toughness? Do they lack grit? Do they, do they lack that guy who's going to you know dig into the corner and really get the best of you? Well, Glenn Sather was asked about that on the narrative that this team to be needs to be really a, a tougher, more physical brand of hockey team. You know, you look at the lineup that was playing uh, Washington last night, and uh, I was particularly proud of the way they reacted. They all stuck together. They worked hard. They defended each other. And, I mean, that's part of the whole team-building process that young guys have to go through. And, you know, I talked to some of these kids after the game last night in the dressing room and asked if they'd ever been involved or seen anything like that before. And uh, virtually every one of them just shook their head. And I particularly, from the, the teams that I've been involved with, you know, you need a certain element of being able to defend your players. And it has to come from within the team. The team has to have a feeling for each other, to care for each other and support each other. And they certainly did that last night. Oh, they, they certainly did that earlier this week, is sure. Now, Monday they didn't. Wednesday... They did, and they did in, in spades. Now, uh, new GM Chris Drew is made available to the Michael K. Show earlier this week right here on 98.7 ESPN. And, and on the K. Show, the new GM said the plan is just to continue along where they are and, and stay the course right now. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, There's not going to be any 
you know, pull the plug and, and move the guys out, move guys in. You know, we're, we're strategically looking to add pieces where we can. Um, you know, we've collected uh, since the letter a lot of really good assets, uh, some really good players at you know various uh, levels and ages in their career. What we're looking to do is to, to add some key pieces without major overhauls and you know take the next step uh, in the organization. So that is Chris Drury. More from the new Rangers general manager. His thoughts on where we are with the head coach and moving forward with David Quinn. I think he's done a good job. I think it's, you know, this year, you know, as, as I discussed this morning, well-documented, has, has been all over the place. There's been uh, fires that put out almost at every turn this year, um, you know, starting right from training camp, and we were just breaking ground, and, and guys are getting COVID and showing up with COVID, and key players, you know, are not feeling great, and then it goes to our team a little bit, to our coaching staff. And, you know, so it's certainly not an excuse, but just some of the facts we have to deal with, the injuries that at key times, you know, a lot of times running out the youngest team in the league every night. So, you know, I'm certainly not going to discuss publicly, you know, anyone's job status in the organization, but uh, just like we do every year, and this year will be no different. We're going to sit down and take a look at everybody in the organization, including the coaches, and you know, make the best decision we can moving forward. Look, I-, I could be completely off base, but here's my two cents on it. If they intended to keep David Quinn, and, I- and I'd hope to be wrong, because he joins my show every uh, week or so, DCR 5 to 8 in the morning on 98.7 ESPN. I think he's a great guy. I think he's actually a very good coach. But I would think that two things. A, that Drury might want to bring in his own guy and someone that he's completely comfortable with. And clearly, uh, Quinny wasn't that guy. And secondly, if they absolutely unequivocally intended to keep him, why would you say that right now? That the plan in place is that we're going to keep David Quinn and, and put that to rest right now. And he didn't do that at all. One more from Chris Drury, and that is everyone on this team moving forward, they need to know their roles. You know, I think we got, like I keep saying, a lot of good pieces mm-hmm. in a lot of good places. But I think we need to figure out, you know, certain specific roles. Um, you know, you play playoff winning teams, cup winning teams, you know, they – the hand in their lineup card, and, and every single guy in that roster knows what he's doing that night and what's expected of him and why he's expected of it. So, you know, I think as this evolves and this rebuild keeps moving forward, you know, we're going to get more pieces uh, like that, and guys are going to slot into to roles that are going to give us success. Should be a very, very interesting offseason for the Rangers. Only one more game this regular season for the Rangers, and of course, as we mentioned, there will be no postseason. That is today, 2.30. You can hear it re- right here uh, in Boston on 98.7 ESPN. So the Rangers, 2.30 in Boston, 98.7 ESPN. The Islanders, which uh, with a much uh, busier couple days uh, today against the Devils, you can hear that one on 98.7 ESPN as well. So a little back-to-back hockey action for you on 98.7. And then Monday uh, in Boston, that one can be heard right here on 98.7 ESPN as well, and that's a 6.30 start. Now, every Islanders playoff game can be heard either right here on 98.7 ESPN or on 10.50 AM, our sister station, uh, if the Knicks are in action on 98.7. So Islanders just getting started. Rangers are done, and so are the Devils as well. A couple more for the Devils. Today, 6.30 at the Islanders, of course. You can hear that one on 98.7 right here. And Monday at Philadelphia at 7 o'clock, and that is it then for the Devils. So we are on the verge of ending the regular season in the NHL, but things just getting started for your New York Islanders. And that's it for us uh, for today. Now, the show was supposed to end. It was supposed to be a 10-week run. We'd put a big bow tie on it, and we would tie it up and be done. But the management and the staff and everybody was such a fan of the show, we're going to continue along on the station 
as long as the Islanders do. So you go nowhere. Next Saturday morning, 7 o'clock, we will get into the playoffs. We'll get into the Islanders and see what the situation is with the Isles. So, as always, big thanks to our executive producer, Andy from Merrick, the great Anthony Pusick, Ray Dinahan as well. It's Joe Wiz. He's next right here on a Saturday morning. This has been the Hockey Show on 98.7 ESPN.